0: stories from courageous people who have moved through their losses and found hope, their own authenticity, and how to give back to the world. And now, your host, Counselor Mandy.
1: Hi, welcome to Finding Hope. I'm your host, Counselor Mandy Bird, and I'm so passionate about this podcast. When the pandemic struck, I asked myself, what can I give back? What can my creative response be? How can I support those out there who are really searching and seeking, who are grieving, who are looking for depth, who want to help themselves and help others? And I thought, you know what? It's time to reboot Finding Hope. And that's what this podcast has been It's been a magical journey speaking to incredible leaders and human beings that are so passionate about using their heartbreak for service in the world and bringing joy to the world through the amazing things that our losses teach us. And today we have a man with us named Nicholas Kalora. Hey, Nicholas.
2: Hi, Mandy. So good to be with you.
1: Thanks for being with us today, and I always say this, it just would not be the same or have this level of excellence without my dear friend and the producer, Cindy Bolero. Hey there, Cindy.
0: Hello. It's great to be back with you today, and I am very excited about introducing our guest today. So, Nicholas Calora is a board-certified interfaith healthcare chaplain as well as a spiritual director and retreat director affiliated with St. Raphael's Center outside of Philadelphia. He studied film and literature at Yale University and the University of Paris before earning a Master of Divinity from the Boston College School of Theology and Ministry. Beyond his work in healthcare, Nicholas spent three years of his life as a Jesuit on the West Coast and has worked as a chaplain on college campuses, in juvenile halls and state prisons, and at a shared life community for people with and without developmental disabilities. We welcome Nicholas to the show today. Uh, Thank you, Wonderful.
1: So, Nicholas, wow, I'm so thrilled and excited to talk with you. When I read your bio and more about you, I said, You know, this is a human being that has been an incredible seeker in his life thus far. And I always love to start out with this very compelling question, which is to share with our listeners what has been one of the great heartbreaks in your own life that? cracked you open, and then catapulted you towards your passion and calling?
2: Mm. Thank you, Mandy, for that question. Um, You know, it's so funny. I um, have the great privilege every day of of talking to people who are hurting. And um, sometimes I, I think to myself, gosh, you know, these are wonderful human beings who have suffered more than I ever have. And uh, it's so true that I, in a certain sense, have been really fortunate in life. I'm one of these people who found his way into this kind of work um, in interfaith chaplaincy without having experienced serious or significant trauma or loss, um, at least as a young person. I I think probably the the closest I came um, to losing someone very close to me was losing a friend unexpectedly um, undiagnosed heart condition. Um, But we were already in our uh, mid to late 20s um, when that happened. And I was kind of already well on my way to doing the kind of work that I'm doing now. So um, sometimes I ask myself, how did I, how did I get here exactly? Um, But it's funny, you know, I look back in my childhood and although it was pretty happy, I mean, no one has a perfect childhood, that's for sure. And and I didn't, but although I had a, a, pretty good childhood. Um, I was always kind of haunted by this sense of loss. And I would be hard-pressed to tell you what it was <laughs> that I felt like I'd lost when I was five or six years old. But um, I always had this nostalgia for something since my earliest years. And um, I, I appreciate your um, seeing me, Mandy, as a, as a seeker. Um, that's definitely true. I, I think from from early childhood, I always had the sense that there was something um, on the other side of the horizon, um, kind of something on that the veil is very thin between this world and the next, as the Irish mm. like to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was always seeking whatever that might be. And out of that, I think came some of my gifts um, in terms of curiosity about people's lives and the ability to accompany people. Um, but I'm really a believer that the flip side of all of our gifts is a curse and vice versa. (laughs) And so for me, the curse that I've had to kind of work through um, as an adult in terms of looking at my um, ego and my personality structure is this chronic sense of something being missing. And um, so that has been so much of my story. And when I um, got into healthcare chaplaincy, you know, people will often say, oh, how do, you, how do you do that? It sounds so hard and so difficult. And, and that's a really good question. I think any of us in the caring professions and, and probably any human being um, has to ask ourselves that question of how do we take care of ourselves um, in this world and in this work that we do. But I'll admit that there's always a part of me that thinks, gosh, you know. It doesn't it just seem natural to be asking the great questions of the meaning of life or the meaning of suffering? Um, because ever since I was a kid, I was one of these, I guess, weird kids who is just asking those questions. And so in a way, when I'm, when I'm working with people in a healthcare setting who are suffering, um, I kind of feel like I found my people. Like these are the ones who are also asking questions about um, what life is all about. And so that's kind of how I came uh, into my work. And and like I said, it's, it's brought gifts and challenges for me as an individual on this search for happiness that we're all on. Um, but, but that's kind of the, the broad outline of my story.
1: Well, Nicholas, as a fellow practitioner, I really relate to what you're saying and resonate a lot with what you're saying around asking those very big existential questions as a child around, um, You know, what is life about and the meaning of life and meaning of suffering and that um, that that really um, pushed you towards the path that you're on? Um, It sounds like that um, you really connect with those that are hurting, like you're you're able to um, the way that I think about it is, you know, climb down in the valley with them. And um and you know, that's you know, that's a part of how I see my work is that, you know, I think about the twenty third Psalm and, you know, it's like though I walk through, you know, the valley of the shadow of death. I just I imagine that my work as a psychotherapist is the way that I really see it is it's a very shamanic how I do my work and that I—I it's like I join hands with people through portions of their journey walking through the valley. And I really hear that that's how you approach your work um, because there is something, w- when, when you're a depth seeker and you're asking these great, great questions, there's something so holy about working with people um, in a healthcare setting that are, um, you know, supporting the loved ones of those are di- of dying, um, uh, working with people that are suffering, having the sense that you have found your tribe. I really relate to that around um, around bonding and connecting with people around what really matters, and that's what mm-hmm. I hear that you're really doing
2: in your work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that, Mandy. You know, um, what you just said reminded me of a story. Um, Maybe I can tell this story and then use it as a little springboard, too, for something that's been meaningful to me. Um, I was uh, in the medical ICU uh, one day as a hospital chaplain, and I was called to visit a patient who um, had been intubated uh, for a long period of time and was really unable to speak. And she was just kind of waking up when I went in to see her and um, I didn't know anything about her other than that she um, had nodded her head. Yes. When they said, would you like to talk to the chaplain? And so I went in there and and I said, you know, my name is Nicholas and I'm the chaplain. And I saw her eyes get big, but she couldn't say anything. And I said, you know, maybe there's something you'd like to say to me. Could we try to figure out a way for you to write it down for me? Um, and she kind of nodded. Yes. And so I brought her some paper and a pen Um, but you know, it's really hard when you're on your back and you don't have a lot of strength to kind of even make the impression on the paper from that angle. Yeah. So I swear, I, I kept on guessing like, is that an A, is that a B? We must've gone through the (laughs) alphabet like three times. Mm. And I, I just couldn't understand what she was writing. And I could see the frustration in her eyes, this woman who had been through so much. And I was just about to give up when finally I got it. I understood and I said, um, those aren't letters, are they? They're numbers. And just relief kind of filled her face. Mm. And I said, it's a two and a three. You're asking me to recite the 23rd Psalm.
1: Oh, and her wow. Eyes
2: was with tears. Oh, my and word. I remember her, you know, and I ask myself, mm. sometimes, what is it about this Psalm that you mentioned that I think even for listeners who you know, don't come from a Judeo-Christian heritage. There's something about these words, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That seems yeah. And yeah. what is it about that? And, and I can say that for me, um, the line that means the most there in that whole Psalm is that first line, this idea that there's nothing I shall want. Because I mean, my gosh, here we are in this world of a lot of pain and um yeah. this idea that we could ever say that there is I have everything I need and I I really do I, I trace a lot of my story this kind of seeking quality that that you were talking about Mandy um those early childhood years when I I I think all of us come into this world and you know even we we look at individuation and processes by which young children first recognize themselves as a person in the mirror, you know, um, yeah, the the rise of the individual, but what's really happening there when we realize that we are an individual, I think we begin to see ourselves as cut off from the chain of being, you know, the cycle of life, um, of which we're also a part. In other words, there's kind of a, there's a story. It might be apocryphal. I don't. I don't know if this actually happened, but it's still a good story of a, um, let's say, like a five-year-old or something who had a newborn baby sibling, and the five-year-old said to her brother, um, "Quick, tell me where we came from, because I'm starting to forget." Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And this idea that coming into this world means being kind of cut off, or or perceiving that we're cut off from our source, you know, and we go through life as an individual, I am, I, that's like the development of the ego. And, um, and so there's this kind of like loneliness involved in being human from the very beginning. And I love this line. There is nothing I shall want because it's talking about the exact opposite of this framework that we get ourselves into of disconnection and isolation, talking about wholeness and plenitude and being connected to, you know, whether we're believers in God or not, um, let's for a second interpret God as representing the fullness of life and of being and our source, our origin, um, being reconnected to that. Um, I, that's my best guess for why that Psalm has been so impactful to Mm -hmm. so many people throughout the generations and, um, people memorize that Psalm, you know, it's, it's getting to a really fundamental truth.
1: Absolutely. I think that we, um, I resonate a lot with what you're saying around um, the journey for us as human beings. Is uh, the way I think about it is coming back home to our authentic being, coming back home to our true authentic nature, and that and that is a journey. That in childhood, for many of us, we we have the luxury of the purity for a brief time of knowing our authentic nature. And, um, and then through, you know, through the circumstances of what happens in our world and in our culture and our families of origin, that, um, that we often lose aspects of our authenticity and that we are um, all seeking that. And a part of what we're seeking when we're seeking our own authentic nature is feeling connected to those around us and to something larger and bigger Uh, and so in your work as um, both in in the spiritual direction work that you do and I mean I see the connection there and as a hospital chaplain what's helping you right now during this pandemic yourself personally feel connected we've all been Mm -hmm. so cut off um, in so many ways um, from our way of life as we've known it, even from being able to see our loved ones, um, what's helping you personally feel more connected?
2: Mm, Absolutely. You know, um, I I can talk a bit about it. And um, for each of us, you know, there might be something different. And um, I can say that for me, and and by the way, I I don't want to be someone who just, puts the burden of responsibility on individuals to kind of find their own happiness. I mean, there's a lot of social systems and injustices that I always want to mention, you know, there are um, structures in our world that make it so difficult for people to to find that. So I'm, I'm about to talk a bit yeah. about mindfulness. And I always feel like I want to, you know, use that disclaimer that Um, life is, is just so hard and, and some things in our world make it harder to do this mindfulness piece. Um, but for me, I can can genuinely say that, um, what's helped me has been kind of, you know, recognizing, um, what some of my cognitive distortions are, um, that cause me Mm. to suffer even more than I'm already suffering. Um, I mean, again, if we're kind of riffing on this theme of childhood, um, I'm a believer that the ego um, takes shape very early on. Um, there's a particular model of the human personality that maybe some listeners have heard of, which is called the Enneagram, um, which on one level, it's kind of a personality inventory like the Myers-Briggs. But I think on a deeper level, it's kind of, which I find compelling, um, it's kind of a description of the different ways that um, people as children can develop Um, a kind of fixed set of messages about themselves in the world. And so for me, being very heart-centered as a kid and looking for connection, um, including being kind of this child who is asking all these big questions um, that many of my peers, you know, didn't seem to be asking. I I remember my aunt and uncle for a birthday once giving me a birthday card with a little chihuahua wearing scuba gear, standing ankle-deep, in a kiddie pool or something. So not a lot of water in that pool for it only to go up <laughs> to the ankles of the Chihuahua. And the card said something like, it's hard to be deep in such a shallow world. Mm. Um, and that was kind of my experience growing up was that I, I seemed to come from kind of a different planet. Um, yeah. Yes. Um, and I felt my difference from others. And, but that, you know, kind of gets ingrained as personality and all the things that I thought were my gifts like this, ability to kind of, you know, think deeply about things. Like I said, they also contained a curse because I was, you know, getting this self-fulfilling prophecy that I was always going to be a little bit different from people and that there was always going to be something missing for me. So, so through a tool like the Enneagram um, and, and with good guidance uh, with a teacher who works with this model, I was able to kind of see, OK, the things that seem most important to my personality and that I cling to because it seems like so authentically me um, is actually kind of self-limiting too. and um, being mindful of those distortions of when I look at a situation, like the pandemic or something, hearing that voice in my head that says, ah, like, another uh, uh, here's another disconnection from people i'll, I'll always be adrift from other people or cut off from other people but then being able to hear that voice and say well is that true could i actually be more than what i've seen myself as for my whole life could i actually be a person who um who is connected and whether that's um you know being a little bit more social than maybe i'm used to being or just kind of instead of seeing what's missing going back and back and back to this practice of gratitude and saying, you know, I have this job that actually brings me into connection with people on a deep and intimate level every day. And it's meaningful. um, In addition to having a roof over my head and so on. I mean, gratitude just kind of thrown out there can be like a toxic positivity kind of thing. Like what, you know, tell someone who's grateful that doesn't really work. But, but for me, um, adding it to a mindfulness practice about what are the cognitive distortions that are such a part of my personality that just caused me to suffer more than I need to, um, has really helped me quite a lot.
1: I appreciate you sharing some of what are the tools with our listeners that have meant a lot to you and your own self-discovery. And, and what I want to add is a, a big, a big part of what helps us in life is taking the time to dive down into, into getting to know our own being, knowing our own authentic being is essential for our own happiness, for, for being able to have more satisfaction in our lives. And it, it inevitably takes us to, uh, where we want to bring our gifts to the world. Inevitably, it always mm. does. Um, mm. for those that are noble hearted and that are, and, and are open hearted, I really appreciate what you're saying around, um, learning your own cognitive distortions, your, your, you know, the things that we say to ourselves about ourselves that are not true. And I think, Especially dig what you said about understanding that our gifts also have lacks. They definitely mm-hmm. do. And um, and and for me, what I have um, so enjoyed for you, it's been the enneagram. For me, I have um, dove down into studying and learning about archetypes. And it's another Mm -hmm. way to talk about our personality and about our nature and to learn about the gifts of each of our archetypes and the lacks. And the point of all this for our listeners is how valuable it is to take the time as you're searching and seeking to use tools to discover who you are and to seek out when you need support Um, because truly the more we know about our own authenticity the more peace we have the more joy we have and the more we're able to access and utilize our gifts and that's why that's why we're here right is to use our gifts to give back to help to help our aching world um so, so, for you, it sounds like you have taken your personal journey um, really seriously and um and using your gifts um, to give back what What would you say that um, brings you a lot of big joy in your work?
2: Mm, yeah, you know something i I am just um bowled over it's often. I don't know if you've found this, Mandy. Um, sometimes it's the people that you think you're helping the least who turn out to be the most grateful. <laughs> and that, um, that floors me. Um, but I just have such a privilege of working with people who, um, who are so grateful, not because I'm so great, but because they have this gratitude um, in them and they teach me a lot about gratitude too. So I, I think um seeing that in people brings me a lot of joy. And, um, also, you know, there's moments with patients when, when we just find, find ourselves laughing and that's one of the pieces where, okay, you know, here I am the serious searcher or whatever. Um, my mind doesn't immediately go to humor. (laughs) So that's one thing I learned to be a little more open with that. And, um, some of my patients just have such a wonderful sense of humor and we just laugh at the absurdity of everything. Um, mm-hmm. so maybe it starts with gallows humor, um, but we find ways. Um, and uh, those are often unexpected moments in my day. Um, you know, it's not a laugh fest doing the work that I do. Um, sure. But when we can find ourselves laughing, it's, it's just such a wonderful reminder um, that this is part of being human too.
1: Isn't it beautiful the the paradoxical ways that the human spirit shows up, and that mm. makes a lot of sense to me. That um, I mean, we, we we have to have the other side. I mean, we're when when you're standing in that much suffering and that much loss, you know, we need joy to show up and companion. Um, and I can imagine that those moments are deeply rich and. Mm. Um, just uh, you know touch you to your to your toes you know that's Mm. really beautiful well you know as as we're coming to a close i want to give you the opportunity to share um about your spiritual direction work and and what that means to you i would love for our listeners to know more about that um and to hear what you offer
2: Thank you, Mandy. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, The best, you know, spiritual direction isn't therapy, and I'm not a therapist, but the best um, analogy I heard for spiritual direction is, you know, we can imagine that we're walking down a long hallway with windows to one side and light is streaming through these windows into pools on the floor that we're walking through, and that the role of a spiritual director is kind of to stop us when we are walking through one of those pools of light and to just turn and look out the window and see where the light is coming from and and what there is to see out that window. So spiritual direction is for people who are religious or not, um, but who have a sense of the sacred or, or a desire to kind of see where the sacred um, might be coming into their life, like that light from the windows. Um, It's uh, really a privilege to, walk with people to ask questions about um, what they find holy or ultimately meaningful, um, usually for an hour a month. And um, I, I think there might be a little link to my website, which, which talks a bit more um, in the description um, there, but it's nicolascolora.com. And for anyone who'd like to explore, whether with me or, or to find a referral to someone else, um, whether spiritual direction might be right for them, And um, I also, another great privilege of my life is is giving retreats on various themes from psycho-spiritual integration to grief, forgiveness, um, various, you know, spiritual topics that I could speak about. And and as we're all, you know, crossing our fingers and, and remaining hopeful that there's some good that's happening in the world around the vaccines and so on, and that at some point we might be able to look forward to things like this opening up again. Um, if anyone would like to either arrange for their own community, um be it a virtual um retreat or workshop, or once um, things open up uh, the chance to organize something in person or to be added to my own mailing list for offerings that I'll be able to offer in person. um it'd just be a delight to to hear from anyone who's on the spiritual path and looking for that kind of connection.
1: Wonderful. Thank you so much. That all sounds so. Uh, for me, I mean, intriguing, soothing, exciting. I get it. Such valuable work to have um, a spiritual director and um, and to and to sit in community and retreats and to learn together. Um, Those have been some of the most enriching times in my own growth journey um, that I've been so devoted to. And so I'm so happy that you're using your gifts this way to give back and to support others as they are searching and seeking. Thank you so much for being with us today. I have just loved speaking with you and we will... um, Oh, look so forward to remaining in touch with you. What great work you're doing in the world and, um, take good care of yourself. Uh, We know that, um, the work you're doing is such a blessing and it's also heavy. Um, so I just want to remind you one, one helper to another to make sure you're taking good care of your own spirit.
2: Oh, thank you so much, Mindy. Thank you for the work that you do, you and Cindy and, um, all of your listeners who are doing this inner work for ourselves and and for others, um, such a privilege to be talking to all of you and to be among you.
1: Thank you. Once again, guys, remember that you can find and follow me on Instagram at Counselor Mandy. You can find me on Facebook at Mandy McMullen-Berg. And please take the time if you want to stop and review this episode. We'd love your feedback. And we look forward to being with you next time on Finding Hope.
0: Finding Hope